The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today. Episode 2, 1982. What's that you're doing? In the second installment of this five-part series for 82, we will cover February 1st through April 30th. Scott Muni with you this afternoon to share a lot of music and things that we'll be doing between now and 5 o'clock. And here is John Lennon.
February 9th in Los Angeles, California, George Harrison met with Hugh Downs, the chairman of the U.S. Committee for UNICEF. George was there to donate $100,000 to add on top of the long-awaited donation of $10,750,000 that was raised from the 1971 concert for Bangladesh. We don't know how to thank you, George. I think when we think back that when you thought of this concert, and it was it was thought of in terms of raising a few thousand dollars, really, maybe 500,000. Ravi Shankar was hoping to make 20 to 30,000 dollars, and he asked me to get involved somehow, and uh, the result of it, thanks to Bob Dylan and Ravi and Leon Russell, Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr, all the other artists, then we were able to make much more. My friend came to me, sadness in his eyes, wanted help before his country dies Oh, I couldn't feel the pain I knew I had to try Now I'm asking all of you to help us save some lives
George is also honored with an award citation for outstanding contribution to the world's children. It's from the heart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. On February 11th at the Shepperton Studios in London, Paul sits down for an interview with John Tour for the Australian breakfast show Good Morning Australia. This is one of many interviews McCartney is granting as he promotes his new upcoming album, Tug of War, which is scheduled to be released at the end of next month. Tell me, uh, what's your favorite song on this album? Uh, I don't really have one. Uh, I sort of, I think I like each one of them for something. You know, the, each one of them's got one kind of ingredient that I like. I like Tug of War for the sort of production thing and the sort of mood of it. I like Take It Away because it's a, a bit of a sort of bopper and it, it moves. Uh, you said recently that uh, if you were stranded on a desert island, one of the songs you'd take was uh, uh, John Lennon's Beautiful Boy. Wouldn't you take one of your own songs along? Um, well, a... on the program I was on, you're only allowed eight records. Yeah? So uh, on the original list, I had about 70 songs, you know, like just songs I like. And I had to bring that down to eight. So you've got to knock out something. <clears throat> So I decided that I've, I've heard my stuff, and um, I just, it was just a decision. I had to make a decision to be recording the show two days later. So, I mean, you know, maybe those aren't the eight I would take, you know. What are you going to do? Maybe I'd change them. But uh, I, just, I just thought I chose one of John's instead, just to kind of sum it all up, and um, from, from the Beatles thing. Uh, right. The rest were mainly rock and roll things, early rock stuff, you know. You um, uh, purchased the uh, Buddy Holly catalogue of songs uh, a couple of years ago. Would you have taken any of those songs along? Yeah, you know, they were on my 70, in the 70. There were, all of those things were there. Uh, there was a little selection of Beatle tracks, you know, favourite Beatle tracks and everything. Uh, and they were all there. But as I say, I had to bring it down to eight, and that's really hard to do. I mean, you try it sometime. Right? Your eight favourite records. I got a lot more than eight favourite records, you know. So I had to kind of just sum things up. So I kind of, instead of... I, I like some, I like quite a lot of classical music. I don't know much about it, but I like the kind of, you know, the more obvious kind of classical tunes and stuff. But I actually only just uh, chose one for the program to sum it up, you know. Is there anything you'd like to, uh, to say to Australia? I'd love to say to all you Aussie jackaroos out there, Lady Patterson, of course, I'd like to say, Les is doing very well over here and uh, all the best for the new year. Okay? Rock on. On February 21st, Murray Kaufman, the former New York disc jockey known to millions of rock fans as Murray the K, died late Sunday at his home in Los Angeles after a long battle with lung cancer. Radio stations across the country pay homage to the man who brought rock and roll into the lives of millions. I think probably uh, any one of our loyal and longtime listeners to NEWFM and those who are new listeners to NEWFM uh, should know about Murray the K because he's the type of guy that everybody says, hey, when I was growing up, I listened to Murray. I used to listen to him talk about submarine race watching, which is, of course, what people do when they park their cars and get together and get next to each other and say hello and kiss and then do sounds and communicate with each other. And 
have fun with uh, records and discovering new people and all that, and Murray the Case certainly was that. And I think that a station like any WFM should remember Murray now that he has gone, now that he had a lot of problems, about 10 years of fight with uh, cancer and not really being active on the air or anything, but people who remember growing up listening to single records and those 45s when they came in, uh, grew up listening to people like Murray the K, and it's a good thing for all of us just to flash back a little bit and go back and say, hey, Rave and Missouri, the key is A, and that's kind of what uh, this show should be about, to let all of us remember what we remember as we listen to Murray the K. Or if you weren't uh, around and you were a little too young, you should know what was happening. And that's what we're going to do tonight, a tribute to Murray the K. This meeting of the Swingin' Soiree is now in session. This is Mia Surrey. During his heyday in the early 1960s, Murray was dubbed the fifth Beatle after helping introduce the Beatles to America and serving as Master of Ceremonies for their concerts at Carnegie Hall and Shea Stadium. Hey, baby, it's Murray that came with the Beatles, and we're talking to you from London, England, where it's all happening over here. Dick Clark. Back in the old days when nobody knew what a beetle was, Murray was astute enough to realize that they had that singularly uh, extraordinary talent, and I guess that's one of the reasons he became the fifth beetle. He helped spread the gospel. He was an intimate friend of John Lennon's. He made some extraordinary video and audio tapes in his lifetime, but uh, he was the man who helped spread the word. Murray was 60 years old. He leaves behind a wife and three children. Also in Los Angeles on February 24th at the Shrine Auditorium, the 24th Annual Grammy Awards are held. This year's Grammys celebrates the outstanding achievements in the music industry throughout the year of 1981. Presenting the nominations and the winner for the Album of the Year is Herb Albert. And Jane Ingram for Just Once. Al Jarreau, Jay Graydon producer. by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and Jack Douglas producer. The Dude, Quincy Jones, Quincy Jones producer. Gaucho by Steely Dan, Gary Katz producer. Mistaken Identity, Kim Carnes, Val Garay, producer. The album of the year is... John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Double Fantasy.
John and I were always very proud and happy that we were part of the human race who made good music for the earth and for the universe. Thank you. Meanwhile, over in the UK, groundwork had been laid on a new Ringo Starr recording project. Calling on his friend Eagles guitarist Joe Walsh, Ringo wanted some continuity throughout his next work. The pair began writing songs and ideas together. On March 7th, guitarist Joe Walsh, bassist Mo Foster, keyboardist Gary Brooker, and auxiliary keyboardist Chris Staten arrive at Ringo's Tittenhurst Park's Startling Studio to begin recording a new album. Hi, I'm Mo Foster. The first song recorded was a new Starkey Walsh composition. The song's signature sound was produced by Mo Foster's fretless bass played to produce a crying sound. Mo then backed Walsh on a pair of Ovation acoustic guitars with Brooker on piano. Walsh also added a pair of twang guitars with chorus and a slide lead. Life feel alright in the 
The month of March arrived with excitement of a few anticipated Beatle events. The first was March 19th, 20th, and 21st as New York's 9th Annual Beatles Convention takes place at the Rye Town Hilton Hotel in Portchester, New York. I attend this Beatlefest 82 with my friend Beth. Festivities include a Beatles memorabilia auction with Fest auctioneer Roger Berkeley. Give me uh, $75 for all four. The complete set. Only one person? $75, I'll take it. Will anyone bid for him individually, one at a time? Yes? Yes? All right, we're going to do it one at a time. We'll start with Paul. There's Paul. Who'll give me $15 for Paul? 15, 16, 17, 18, now 19, 20, 21, now you got 22, now over here you got 23, where? $23, over here you got 24, where? 24, I got, now you got 5, 5, 5, 24, 25, now you got 26, 26, now you got 27, 27, now you got 28. Guests include Barb Fennick, editor of a Paul McCartney fanzine called The Right Thing. Also, she's the author of Collecting the Beatles, a memorabilia price guide. As far as something that's going to keep increasing in value, you're probably best off getting memorabilia because that seems to be the rage as far as what's increasing in value every single convention. It's double what it was last time. Other guests include Jürgen Vollmer, the man responsible for the Beatles' haircut. Jürgen also photographed the Beatles in their early days in Hamburg, Germany. 
Lennon used one of his photos for the cover of his 1975 rock and roll album. What is this? Another guest was Harry Nielsen. Nielsen is best known for his Grammy award-winning hits, Everybody's Talking" and Without You. Harry was there to raise money and awareness for the National Coalition to Ban Handguns charity. Nielsen had become an active member of this charity since his friend John Lennon was shot and killed in 1980. I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be dead. Who's this still? Alicia. A-L-I-C-I-A. I'd rather be dead. A-L-I-C-I-A. That's more than Alicia. While at the fest, Harry offered to write a song and give the publishing to anyone who would give $500 to the National Coalition to ban handguns. At first, there were no takers. Then suddenly, from the crowd, a fan named Judy stepped forward with a checkbook in hand. Harry asked, What kind of song would you like? A catchy one, she replied. Harry went to work on it.
Nielsen promised to bring the song as a 45 vinyl single to the next Beetlefest, scheduled for later in the year. Other guests include American reporter Ed Rudy. Ed traveled with the Beatles on their first tour of America. I was the only American reporter to travel on the first complete American tour with the Beatles. I broadcast news coverage with the Beatles for hundreds of radio and television stations around the country and produced a documentary recording of interviews with the Beatles that provided an amazing insight into these phenomenal Liverpudlian lads. This is John Lennon and this is the top complete behind-the-scenes coverage of the Beatles in America by the fifth Beatle, Ed Rudy. Okay, Ed. Guest panelists include... Nicholas Schaffner, Wally Pedrozic, and Bill King. Master of Ceremonies is rock radio DJ Jimmy Fink with live music provided by Liverpool. With hosts Mark and Carol Lapidus, a splendid time is guaranteed for all. Another exciting event happened on March 22nd, when Capitol Records in America released the album Real Music by The Beatles. Hard day is nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello. This is Paul speaking. Paul McCartney. This is Ringo Starr. George Harrison. La, da, da, da. Hey, Paul. Well, tell them about the songs and all that. You know, the title song is, is one that we particularly like. John and I wrote this especially for the film, because, <laughs> I mean, with a title like that, you, you couldn't write it for anything else, I don't think. It's been a hard day's night And I've been working like a dog It's been a hard day's night I should be sleeping like a log But when I get home to you I find the things that you do Will make me feel all Sleeping like a love But when I get home 
This album was a compilation of Beatles tracks taken from their feature films. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Help! When, when I was young, was so much younger than today. I never needed anybody's help in any way. Now, but now these days are gone, days I'm gone. not so self-assured. Now I find a change of mind, I'll open up the doors. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. The album went certified gold in the U.S. and peaked at number 19 in the U.S. Billboard charts and number 56 in the U.K. album charts. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines So we sailed up to the sun Submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. 
Yeah, I think it's fun, and I also like it because I thought of the title. <laughs> Makes it interesting, you see. The album was accompanied by the single The Beatles Movie Medley, which was an artificial medley of various movie singles edited together. Feel all right. Ah! 
The single peaked to number 12 in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 charts and number 10 in the British charts. Well, thanks very much, you know, and this is Paul McCartney signing yeah, off. and me, I enjoyed it. George Harrison. And me, keep swinging, Ringo Starr. On March 29th, Columbia Records in America and Parlophone Records in the U.K., released the single Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney. Recently I made a record with Stevie uh, called Ebony and Ivory, recorded in Montserrat, and uh, we made a little video uh, presentation to go with it, and it's being premiered here on Fridays, so dig it!
based uh, on a thing Spike Milligan once said. Uh, British comedian Spike Milligan once said that uh, the notes on a piano keyboards, uh, you need the blacks and the whites. There's no use just doing black notes or just doing white notes because you're missing half the fun. And I thought that was a great analogy. So I thought, well, what are these things actually made of, ebony and ivory? I don't think they are, actually, but that's near enough for Skiffle. So, and I like that as a title, ebony and ivory, and it was very simple. Some people have said, oh, it's a bit too simple, because the question is more complicated than that. The B-side is a song called Rain Clouds. It's a song that Paul had been working on for some time. Denny Lane, Eric Stewart, and Linda McCartney supply backing vocals, and Patty Maloney from the Irish band The Chieftains plays the Ilian Pipes. Telephones Yoko. So I telephoned her and started talking to her about just 
things generally. We didn't know her too well, really. I just thought, well, maybe I've misunderstood. You know, maybe it's my mistake, um, not hers. She said, why are you telephoning? And uh, I said, well, you know, I think I've misunderstood you and I think I've made a big mistake. And uh, as you were John's wife and uh, I was very fond of John, I feel that he would have liked me to telephone you and, and kind of say hello and see what's going on. And she said, well, don't do me any favors, you know, don't do it out of pity or don't sympathy. I don't want that, you know, I don't want charity. Which at first I thought, hmm, hmm. <laughs> you know, and it got, and I had to say, no, 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 she's right, she's right. The honesty is what hurts a lot of people, I think. I thought she was a hard woman. I don't think she is now. I think she's just the opposite. I think she's a very uh, loving, caring woman. Uh, I think I thought she was uh, pushy, uh, which I think is wrong. I don't think she is. I think she's just uh, herself. She's determined more than some other people to be herself. Some people will um, just give in. You know you made me cry. I see no use in wondering why. On April 19th in America, Paul and Linda McCartney are seen and photographed with Yoko Ono having lunch and leaving Manhattan's ultra-chic restaurant, Le Sir. The next day, April 20th, after a year-long battle with bureaucratic red tape, Strawberry Fields in New York Central Park is officially dedicated to the memory of John Lennon. It features a mosaic circle of tiles, spelling out Imagine, and is in plain sight of the Dakota apartments where John Lennon lived and died. Strawberry Fields, I think, is something that Joan would have wanted to be done as soon as possible. Uh, what I was mainly doing was uh, seeing various ambassadors of various countries 
and thanking them, you know, because they're really very cooperative. And um, I have now about uh, over 100 countries who are, uh, at, the, at the moment's notice, will send the trees or the stones or whatever they're prepared to send to strawberry fields. It's beautiful, you know. Uh, but then... Um, it's not a negative thing at all, and so you know I don't want people suddenly become suspicious or anything. Um, it's just that um, the paperwork is taking a long time, so you have to go through the proper channel, getting a permission of certain department or whatever. And uh, that does not mean that they are not agreeable. They are all agreeable. New York City would like this to happen, and. Nobody's against it or anything. It's just that the mere paperwork itself is taking a long time. It will be open to the public officially in 1985. On April 26th, Columbia Records in America and Parlophone Records in the UK simultaneously released the album Tug of War by Paul McCartney. This is, um, I think, I'm right in saying, the 12th album that you've had since you went solo. And uh, it's the first time that George has produced since Live and Let Die. That's the only other one, yeah, since, uh, since the Beatles that I've worked with George on. Yeah, I just really like him as a producer. I think he's a very good producer. And when you work with people who are very good like that, it makes it very much easier for yourself, you know. So um, after Live and Let Die, we didn't do anything for a while, and I continued uh, working with Wings and stuff. And on this one, I just really thought, well, you know, it'd be really nice to have a change. I'll give George a ring, see if he fancies working with me, because, you know, I suppose there's the off chance that he'd say, oh, no, you know, maybe, maybe we'd better leave it. But he was interested in the idea. So we just got together and said, okay, come on, let's make an album. As simple as that. One of the things when George and I got together after all that time was we obviously sat down and said, well, what are we gonna do here? You know, just a sort of another album, what do we want? Just a bunch of songs. Or are we going to try and do something a little bit different uh, and do something, stretch ourselves, the kind of words George and I were using originally. And uh, the nice thing about it is if you think that before an album, you, you may not end up doing exactly what you wanted to do, but at least the, the, the effort to stretch yourself changes things slightly and certain things that might have been okay. For instance, uh, on the orchestra on... The opening track took a war we were quite happy with it but we just weren't really over the top so we decided to do it again you know and this is the kind of thing with george he was just oh come on you know why don't we really get it right and that's made the album really enjoyable actually you know you know that you're going to at the end you're going to have something very near to what you originally started off wanting you get into the spirit of it you think hey this is going to be good you know and actually start enjoying yourself George's thing, obviously, you know, in the, the old Beatle days, was that um, he had quite a lot to say you know, about the tracks and stuff. And, um, you know, you could listen to him and just sort of think, yeah, well, he knows what he's doing. And, and on this one, after all that time, it was really nice to get back into that old routine. It's a bit like a comfortable shoot. Right, let's go through the songs and start at the beginning with Tug of War, which opens with a sequence of sound effects, which sounds like the McCartney family are having their own private tug of war. Is that how you did that little sequence at the Thank beginning? Thank you very much. No, that is actually uh, the indoor tug of war championships at Huddersfield. 
And I knew there was going to be a funny story connected with it. It's not a funny story. Really? It's perfectly Absolutely straightforward. True. What do you mean? Is this a national competition? Yeah. The indoor tug-of-war championships were held about a year ago in Huddersfield. And these are two of the teams. One of the engineers on the album, Eddie Klein. I got him to go up, take a portable up to Huddersfield, and he recorded the whole thing. And we, it was really with a view to the fact that we might need this kind of stuff. So that's what it is. It's two teams actually doing a tug-of-war. It's a tug of war What with one thing and another It's a tug of war We expected more But with one thing and another We were trying to outdo each other In a tug of war Stand on top of the mountain with our flag unfurled In a time to come In a time to come We will be dancing to the beat played on a different drum It's a tug of It's a tug of war But I can't let go If I do you'll take a tumble And the whole thing is gonna crumble It's a tug of war Push it, push it, pull it, pull it, push it In years to come, they may discover what the air we breathe and the life we lead are all about. But it won't be soon enough, soon enough for me. No, it won't be soon enough. It's a tug of war What with one thing and another It's a tug of war We expected more But with one thing and another We were trying to outscore each other In a tug of war 
number two is Take It Away, and I need an explanation from you, because I've listened to this song about three or four times, and I'm still not quite sure what the message, what the story is. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I won't accept that I've as an answer. Clue. Oh, all right. Take It Away. Uh, it's just, the, the chorus just says, why don't you play? It's talking to some musicians saying, take it away. Uh, There's a lovely line about the impresario <clears throat> sitting in the hall with his newspaper. All of those verses and stuff, all those little individual kind of spots are all to do with reasons for why someone might ask a band to take it away. The first one is a fellow in his car turns on the radio, so then that switching of the radio says to the band, take it away. The next one's an impresario sitting in the audience with a contract for them all. So the thing there is, come on, lads, play, because there's this fellow in the audience... This is the big ...watching break. us, yeah, mm -hmm. about to screw us silly. <laughs> but what the hell? And then the last one is just a bar... And there's no one actually in that one. But the flowers that are on the table sort of are asking the band to play it, take it away. I think it's mad, if you ask me. I think you're all crazy.
Let's move to somebody who cares, and yet another huge name from the world of music, Stanley Clark, one of the great bass players yes. of our lifetime. Is, is he an old friend of yours? Or no, I never met him before, actually, but in line with what we've been talking about, George and I agreed that there wasn't much point in ringing up someone we thought was kind of average to ask him to play. We thought, well, we'll start at the top, and if the top five people refuse us, then we'll have to take number six or whatever. Really, it came about because I wanted to play some guitar, on uh, certain tracks so i then didn't want to overdub the bass i wanted to play live there and have a bass player there and i thought oh somebody's going to say why didn't you play bass you know and all the obvious things oh flipping heck going off bass are we <laughs> and all that and i thought oh it's only music it's only a bit of fun so i'll just ask stanley if he'll do it and i'll own up to him as i did when he came over i said i've only got you so as i can nick your licks <laughs> which he, he was quite happy he showed me all his licks and that and I nicked him that song's written about that I believe that in life um, I certainly know I do and I certainly know a lot of people that I know go through things where they don't feel so good you know and I think it happens on any level I figure that if I it's going to happen to me you know it really shouldn't happen to me when you think about it you know people would think well what are you got to complain about you know whatever and that's true in a lot of respects but I know that it does happen to me and I know I really sometimes think don't feel good and I know that when I do feel like that there really is always somebody who just sort of get you out of it there's somebody actually who cares you know and uh, if, I don't know if you get uh, in hospital or something and there's some sort of nurse out of the blue comes up and it's really kind of okay to you you know and there's no reason why they should be and uh, those kind of optimistic things in life you know I like I think I, I have a kind of feeling for those sort of things so that song would be about that kind of stuff you know that no matter how bad it feels right now or somebody's right totally out on something horrible or whatever it is that uh the song's really saying, you know, that there is some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Seems to always be a little thing that'll help.
Somebody Who Cares, which opens with a very distinctive Spanish guitar sound. Now, what stage did you decide that you wanted it to open like that? Uh, actually, on the session. that you're doing which is very Paul McCartney and very Stevie Wonder and I think probably that took some doing didn't it to gel the two together well funnily enough it didn't really um originally I got with Stevie to record a song called Ebony and Ivory where I had written the song and uh it's about black and white people things piano keyboards whatever I like the idea of him singing part of it and me singing part of it so he came down to do that, and we did that. And then he started jamming, as is his wont. And uh, he got on the uh, synthesizer and started plonking away. And it was a great riff he came up with, which was the What's That You're Doing riff. Good morning.
Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney and What's That You're Doing. And the next track here today, which I think, I have to say, sir, is absolutely beautiful. And it goes back to using strings like what you used them in the days of Eleanor Rigby and yesterday, doesn't it? Yeah. Was that deliberate or did it just come about that the song would be best suited to a string arrangement? It started off like that when I was talking to George Martin. I, st I was saying to him, well, it would be really nice to have a string quartet on this, but we can't, can we? Because we did it on yesterday. And we sort of said, mm, yeah, I suppose so. And so we were trying to think of some alternative on a string quartet. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, this is stupid. It's like saying because you've used a guitar once in 1980, you should never use a guitar again. It's silly kind of condemning this format of a string quartet just because we'd used it once on a famous record, you know, yesterday. So I then said to just look, you know, I mean, let's just try it with a string quartet. Let's, let's get it all worked up. Let's do it. Uh, but there's no reason why we shouldn't keep using string quartets till we drop kind of thing. So he said, yeah, well, go on, let's try it. It just seemed to fit with the song and with the sort of nostalgia thing of the song, too. It also makes it seem a little bit more 60s with this, this yesterday kind of quartet on it. I was just sitting down trying to write a song, just I felt like writing something, and I got the opening chords. I was just thinking about them and stuff. And I'd had these thoughts in my mind. I was around about the time, just after John's thing, and... Um, I'd sort of wanted to do something, but the worst thing would have been to do something a bit corny, because I know you would have kind of just parted the clouds and blown a raspberry at me, you know, there was that feeling, you just thought, oh dear, you know. So I tried to put into words what my sort of thoughts were, which was, if you were here today, what would you say when someone kind of says, what was John like then, you know, and I start saying, oh, he was like this and he was like that. You know, I can imagine him blowing the raspberry, so this is what the song is, you know, I'm sort of saying, even though you blow that raspberry, I really did actually know you, and uh, you were a great guy. And if I said, I really knew you well, what would your answer be? If you were here today,
Coming up in a moment... Tug of War, side two. Side two of the album starts with ballroom dancing. I've written down here, was that a social attribute in Liverpool in your early days? Yoko joins Elton John on stage in New York. Johnny, can't you come out to play in your empty garden? Johnny, can't you come out to play in your empty garden? Another new Beatles LP. Twenty greatest hits, an outstanding album value at a special low price on records and high quality XDR cassettes. And George goes Troppo. Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen or you could head to society6.com slash Podcast. that's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Bye.